Hello and welcome. This is Karen Motokaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet. I am really thrilled to be here. I'm going to be talking about when you can wear fake Uggs. Now, you're probably wondering, what is this going to be about? Wearing fake Uggs? Why is Corinne talking about this? And this is a concept that I came up with a long time ago, um, many, many years ago. And we're going to backtrack it to my childhood because growing up, I grew up poor and there was a lot of shame. I mean, I had shame about being biracial. I had shame about being poor. I had shame about the alcoholism in my home. I just had lots of shame. And really what I wanted, and I just hungered for so much of my life as a young kid, is I wanted a place to belong. Now, if you asked me that as a nine, 10 year old girl, I wouldn't have known what that meant, right? I wouldn't even been able to say, oh, I need a place to belong. But really, I just wanted my friends to like me. And one of the lies that I told myself, one of the lies that I believed in, I don't know where this message even came from, not that it matters, but was the way that I would actually be long or be light, that was my 10-year-old girl's story, was I can be liked if I have this, if I do that, if I wear this clothing. Does that sound close to some of the stories that you've had? And when I was 10, the rage was moccasin. I didn't even know what they're called, like shoes. They're the, these white moccasin shoes and everybody had them and they were the thing. And I so desperately wanted them. But when I was 10 years old, we weren't shopping at Macy's. We weren't shopping at fancy stores. And it took a long time for me to convince my parents to get me a pair. And we got it from Kmart. So I was really embarrassed. And actually it was shame. I was filled with lots of shame that I got these shoes from the not right store, but I was so happy to have these shoes. It was like, oh, see, I can have what other people have. I just can't ever take my foot out of the shoe because I just had this belief that it was only once you saw the label in the bottom of the shoe that you would know that they were fake moccasins and not the real ones. I don't even know what the brands are. But that, so it it was me taking my foot out, then you would know, not just seeing the shoe. And I'm sure if I were to look at them now, I would notice the difference on the outside. I have no clue, you know, as a 46 year old woman, but there was so much angst about this. And I spent a lot of brain juice worried about taking my shoes off at swim practice because this is the place that I was trying to belong with this group of girls. And of course, we had the mean girl and the queen bee and all of that. And the rule was, is these are the shoes that we had to have. And so I got a pair and I was so careful every day about how I took off my shoes and put them away in the locker and got my clothes on and so on and so forth. And after a couple of weeks, I became a bit more relaxed about it. I didn't really think about it. And that was the day it happened. And it crushed me to the core when the queen bee friend said, "Ah, those aren't real moccasins. I had so much shame and the little Corinne didn't know what that was. I just thought it was embarrassment. Many of my clients call shame embarrassment. It's what we think, but embarrassment is fleeting, often funny. And I can tell you this, it did not feel funny and it was not fleeting. In fact, the story stuck with me. I mean, I share the story all the time, but that memory is so poignant that I still talk about it. I'm over it and I've moved on from it, but I use it as an example to explain these concepts. 
right? And so we have all had those feelings of shame that we felt and we can still carry it. We remember, I know where I was. I know the locker. I know the row. I haven't been in that locker room in decades. I don't even know if it was this century that I've been in that locker room, but I know exactly where I was in that moment when I was 10 years old. And there's so many things in my life that I've forgotten but I remember that. And that was because I was so triggered by shame. I was so triggered by, oh, I've been found out. So now I'm not worthy of belonging. Again, these weren't the words that I had as a 10 year old. I just thought, oh no, I'm not going to be like now because I have fake moccasins. That was a very simple language for a 10 year old. But it was because of these lies that I believed. And it was the cultural lies of you must have this in order to, you know, to, to be a part of something. But there's a difference here between fitting in and belonging. Fitting in is hustling for your worthiness. And that's what I was doing when I was a young girl, desperately needing these shoes to prove that I was good enough to be a part of this, I want to say a girl gang, but like this little girl tribe, right? Of swimmers who go to swim practice, we'd have sleepovers on the weekend, we take showers, talk about life. I just loved it. It was like so much fun. I loved to be a part of it. And I was so desperate to be a part of it. I was so hungry for connection that I was willing to sell myself out over a pair of shoes and feel bad about myself and my family because this is what we could afford. This was the capacity. And so what happened from that, what transpired, because I couldn't, I didn't know, I wasn't going to talk about this. I didn't have the words. I didn't have the experience. There was a lot of shame in my house about not having enough money and not being able to provide for the family. So it wasn't something that I could have these safe conversations with because it would be shame triggers for my parents, right? They may think, and they often thought that they weren't doing a good enough job. But the reality was, it was just a math problem. We didn't have money for that right? But we had so much shame and there is so much shame about money. And so one of the things that I did was I started to rebel against brand names, you know, and it didn't happen, not the next day, it probably happened more in my teens and definitely in my college years, my university years, I rebelled. And even to this day, I don't like purses that have um, brand names on them. If I buy, I have this uh, one purse that's a brand name purse, but it has no logos on the outside because I don't want people to be identified as that brand name. Like I go the other direction in terms of brand names. And part of it is because of this little girl who, you know, really had a lot of pain with not having the right brand. And I don't want to be defined by brand. So that was part of my growth in there. And the other side is that I want to be authentic. Like I want you to choose me because of me, not because of a purse, not because of shoes or sunglasses, you know, but because of me, not because of a group that I belong to, but because of me. That's true belonging versus the fitting in. And sometimes we get that confused because we so deeply want connection that we will work towards fitting in instead of saying, really, do I belong? Do they see me? Do they know me? Do they love all of me? And when I say all of me, I mean all of you, your strengths, your flaws, your messiness, your opinionated, your too muchness, all of you, right? The people that I really belong to, belong with, know all of me. You know, they know that when I can get on my soapbox and I can be really opinionated and really puff up and they go, there she goes again. (laughs) Right. And they they still love me. They may not want to hear it all, but they still love me, you know, and, or they, and then the strengths that I have and the loyalty and the fierceness and the, and the perseverance that I have, and they love that too. And they love all of me. 
So really, when we want belonging, we want someone that loves all of us, not just the best parts of ourselves, not just the parts that they think are important, but they can just love and accept all of us. That's what's really important. So over the years, you know, this, I had this experience and over the years, and one of the things that when I lead, when I uh, create communities, when I build communities, our community here with my community, with the Aqua Monsters groups that I bring together is that I have a theme song that has been a part of my life. And this theme song, if you remember, I don't remember even what decade this show was, like the 80s, I think. I think I watched the replays like in the 90s, in the late 90s, but it was the uh, television show Cheers. You know, that a bar, it's so funny that it was a bar, a bar based in, um, I'm not even a person that goes to a bar, but it was a bar based in Boston. So when I went to Boston, like in 97, I think, um, I did go look for that bar because I wanted to do that, like to do cheesy things like that. But the theme song of Cheers, a place you go where everybody knows your name, where people are all the same. That is my common theme throughout my life. I don't want to be judged based on my gender, my race, you know, my socioeconomic status. I've, you know, I have felt like an outcast you know, growing up because of those things, because my family didn't have money or because, you know, I have a Asian mother and a white father and I I look different than my family looks different than other people's families. Right. So I understand that, but I really wanted a place where I could just be me and all of me. And it wasn't about all those other things, right? It was just about me. And it wasn't about what shoes I wore, what education. I have a client who uh, went to Stanford and Wharton, she's probably hearing this, and she doesn't want people to identify with her of, hey, this is like, this is who I am. Like she went and she did that school and she's really, really brilliant. But she doesn't want somebody to just become her friend because of that. And that's the same thing. So we're going to fast forward now, 25 years later, I think about, I was like 35, probably in my thirties. And, um, Ugg boots were all the rage in my community. And I live in an affluent town and I really struggled. I was like, really get my kids $200 boots. You know, they can't take care of anything. They lose stuff. I just don't know. Like that goes against my values. And um, I remember I was talking to my girlfriend and she could afford the Ugg boots too. And, and she's just like, look, you know, we, that's just not something we do. We, we wear the stuff, the, the, the boots from Costco are just fine. They work. We do it. And it was great because I was a common humanity piece of, hey, here's somebody else who does it. And so I started realizing like, hey, when you have the money in the bank and you can't afford the, the, the real Ugg boots, but it's not part of your values and your priorities, it's no longer a shaming thing to say, hey, we're going to get the fake Ugg boots. In fact, it's like, hey, this is what we do. This is what our family does. And this is the difference between myself and my parents is that when I was growing up, we didn't have the money for it. The dollars, there wasn't, the dollars had different jobs. They had jobs of, you know, paying the bills, paying the mortgage, paying, you know, buying the food, that kind of thing versus like I have some money that doesn't even have a job. It's just sitting there and I could buy the Uggs for my kids, but it goes against our family values. And so it was so much easier to say no, because it wasn't something about we're not good enough. We don't have value. We don't fit in. It's like, this goes against our values. This goes against our priorities. This goes against what for our family. And I'm not judging other families. I have lots of friends that buy their kids Uggs boots. 
and have over the past 10 years. I'm just giving this as an example, right? And so one of the things that I realize is that when you have that, and I guess we could call it privilege, and that's a huge trigger word these days. When you have that privilege, it's so much easier to lead with your values than when you don't. But here is the lesson, and here's my invitation to all of us, is that really go back to what are your values instead of what are you supposed to do? What are the cultural expectations? What are the company expectations? What are the expectations of your kid's school? What are your values and what are your priorities? And do they align? Are you buying the Ugg boots, not just the metaphor for anything? Are you buying the house? Are you getting the job because you're hoping that you'll fit in? Or are you doing it because it's something that you really love? Like for instance, I Apple products can be considered an, a status symbol. I love Apple products. I have an iPhone. I have a MacBook Pro. I have a desktop. I mean, I have Apple products. I love it. I realize I could get a cheap PC for like $400. I am not a fan and that is okay, right? That's just like, for me, that's a no-brainer. That's kind of like 7-Eleven coffee. That's not what I do but I'm not doing it because it's a status symbol. I'm doing it because this is where I'm comfortable. You know, this is the arena that I have used since college and actually since third grade when I was going to summer school because my mom wanted me to learn more. So I was taking computer classes in third grade on an Apple IIe, I think it was. But I'm very comfortable with Apple. So it's not a status symbol. It's the thing that I like. There's some things that I like that are really nice things and I like it and that's okay. And I've decided that that's where I want to spend my dollars on, right? Instead of when I bought those moccasins or had my mom did it, I had her buy it because other people said, this is what you need in order to be accepted, right? And so I thought, this is what I need to be in order to be accepted. And if you remember a couple of years ago, I kind of went through this when I was buying my car of like, what is it that I want? And and then what was it that some people were telling me of what I was supposed to have? It was a really fascinating experiment that I went through a couple of years ago, and I talked about it on the show. So I give you all this and that, whether again, it's something that you purchase, it's a place you live, it's a club that you may belong to, it's a job, it's we often put onto these things, our worthiness, instead of saying, here I am, and not worrying about the outside stuff about whether or not it makes us good enough. It's about the inside stuff. And knowing that, you know, yes, it's so much easier to wear fake Uggs when you have the money, because there's no shame. It's not that I can't afford it. It's that I choose not to spend the money. And that is way more empowering. But here's the other side. If you don't have the money, it's, you can say, well, I can't have it, or I can't afford it. Or it's like, okay, right now, I haven't made the money to pay for Uggs, which is a very different message, right? So if there's something out there that you really want, instead of looking at it like, oh, it's not for me, I'm not, I'm a loser, right? That's my old voice. It could be about saying, hey, look, here's something that I want. There's a gap between how much it costs and what I have and all my other priorities and what I need to use the current money I have or the incoming money I have. And then you just go about creative ways of, of filling in that gap instead of making, you know, it mean that you're not good enough or there's something wrong with you because that is like a downward spiral of shame. And that's what we don't want to live in because it doesn't help us. We're not curious. We're not compassionate. We're not moving forward. We just stay stuck. 
So I want to be really clear. I'm not saying that you must wear real Uggs because you don't have the money in the bank and you therefore can't wear fake Uggs. (laughs) If you have the money in your bank account, you get to choose where you want to spend it. And if you don't have the money and it's not in your bank account, you don't need to wear them because really the fake ones are fine. And if you want to wear them, then figure out a way to create more money so that you can go and purchase them and really enjoy them if that's something that you want. Again, Uggs can be the metaphor for anything that it is that you want to purchase, or if it's a house, or if it's a lifestyle, or if it's a job. If there's a gap between what you have and what it is that you want, be curious about how do you close the gap. That's the problem to solve, not to beat yourself up and think that there's something wrong with you. The other lesson here is that shame can come from not having the funds to keep up with the Jonesies, right? Because it's that, oh, see, I'm not enough. I don't have enough. Money doesn't like people like me. I mean, that was one of my old stories that I grew up with, with trying to figure out what was going on with my family. It's like, oh, money just doesn't like people like us. I mean, money is not a person. It has no thinking brain. It's not about that. Like money doesn't say, oh, I'm only going to give it to good people because I mean, look at our world that we have, right? So money is just an object. And if there's a gap between what you have and what you want, be curious about how do you close the gap? That's all. One of my ways to do that in college is that I had sometimes two, I always had at least two jobs, but sometimes three jobs. And I didn't say, woe is me. I was like, well, this is what I'm doing because I want to generate money because I want to close the gap. So at some point in my life, I started turning that around. Another lesson is that, remember, there's a difference between fitting in and belonging. What we really want to do is belong. You know, that's what Brene talks about, like with living wholeheartedly. It's like, we really want to belong. We want to belong. We want to have a safe place and we want to show up and let people see us. And it's scary because it's so vulnerable, but we want a place to belong. So if you're doing something just to fit in, just to get other people to like you, you're on the brinks of approval whoring. And that's really costly, my friend. So remember, we want to belong and pay attention to that. And really, is the car going to make you belong? Is buying a golf club membership going to make you belong? Maybe you love golf and that's awesome. And maybe you love beautiful surroundings and that's awesome. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just when you make it mean that there's something wrong with you, if you can't have that, if that's what you want to pursue, then pursue it knowing that, hey, I love beautiful surroundings or I love to play golf every day. For me, that would be a living nightmare. That's not happening, right? So it's it's all okay. But like I'm choosing not to be a part of that establishment. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just choosing versus if that's something you want to be a part of and you can't be a part of it, it can be really devastating. And finally, when you're comfortable with who you are, our cultural lessons and standards don't really matter, right? Like I'm comfortable that I don't like to play golf, right? And I don't want to belong to the country club. I have lots of friends that belong to the country club and they love it. They love to play golf. They love to be a part of it. They love to go to the country club for events. That is fantastic, right? That is not my gig. That is not for me. But I'm comfortable with saying, hey, I'm enough. And isn't it great that there's that avenue out there for people, for them to have a place to belong? And that's not something I have to be a part of. It doesn't have to be, oh, they're horrible and I'm not. And look at me, I'm just living more wholeheartedly. That, my friend, is not the pathway we want to take. 
So you can live your life from a place of your values and your priorities. And when I'm saying that, it's not about being selfish or narcissistic, right? Because I'm not saying that you're going to go and, you know, spew venom on people and take try to take people down because you're not really living from a place of values and priorities. What you're doing is you're living from a place of hate, right? But when you're really living in your values and how do you want to show up and what are your values in your life? Because when you live that way, then it's so much less costly. You're less toxic to be around, like, right? You're going to show up and you're going to be able to give in the manner that is in line with you and that you can be of service to other people. You know, whether it's your family because you're going to be more joyful, whether it's your community because maybe there are things that you can offer that are within your talents and your skill sets that can be helpful. However, it is that you want to do it, however, you want to show up. Again, I'm not saying break laws or any of that stuff because there's always boundaries that we work within. But instead of living life the way that we're told we're supposed to live in order to, you know, Corinne, 10 year old Corinne, in order to be liked by us, you must wear moccasins. You know, in order to be accepted in the world, you must have this college degree from someplace. And here's the other thing that's so important is that it's really easy once we have it, like once I have the money, it's easy to discount the, oh, the purchase of Uggs, right? My client, she has the great degrees from Stanford and and Wharton, and she can say, well, I don't want to be defined by that because she has it, right? So it's so much easier when we're on that other side, we've been behind the green curtain and we realize it's just like the Wizard of Oz, right? It's always been inside of you. It's always been inside of you. You don't need this wizard. We just need you. So go out there and be you. Now, if this is a struggle for you and you want to be you, but you're like, but Corinne, how? I have the place for you. It's my enough group. You've heard me talk about it. I love this group. I'm going to be opening up a new one come January. So we're going to be opening up applications and going through the the consultations because I want to make sure it's the right fit. Because remember what I do is I create communities of belonging. So I really carefully put together these groups and that because we're going to spend a year together and I want to make sure you're the right fit. Now don't discount yourself and say, oh, but I'm not good enough or there's something wrong with me. My invitation to you is to show up. It is to click on the link in the show notes. That way you get tagged. And when I open up the applications, you can fill out your application. We can schedule a consult. We can talk and you can find out more about the program and I can find out more about you. And then let me put the jigsaw puzzle together of putting the right people together. Because that, my friend, is one of my superpowers. I'm really good at connecting with people and connecting people together. This is the place that I have spent so long, you know, working towards and creating. And I've really loved the groups that I've been working with and currently working with. And I'm really thrilled for the future groups that I'm going to be working with. So I invite you, go to the link in the show notes, click on that, get on the wait list, because I'm going to be announcing soon when I'm opening up the next enough coaching group and the application process, because there is a process and we've got to get it done before the end of the year. Actually, we've got to get it done before well before Christmas. All right. Until next time, I'm smelling big for you. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so wild.